0: You're very welcome along to the gardening programme for the Saturday Morning Pork. Good morning Good to morning,
1: Deirdre. Good morning to our listeners.
0: We are surrounded by all kinds of plants this morning, which yeah. is just lovely. And we'll talk about those in just a second. But we're going to start off uh, talking a little bit about temperatures uh, because I know that forecast wasn't bad, but we're still with a bit of a legacy of the colder nights, I think, at the moment. We have,
1: indeed, on all week. And I think we did we did advise people last week in particular that uh, frost was certainly... I mean, when you get the high. Pressure, like the you know the I suppose that the trade-off for the lovely bright sunny days is that cold frosty weather at night time. And uh, for listeners that had Pierre's Forest Flame, or Katsuru, or hydrangeas in the garden, you may notice they've got a, a little lick of frost. Uh, particularly if you haven't covered them um, now that's only a temporary setback so um, if you have a forest flame or katsura, I know people were ringing the garden centre during the week wondering what to do you just simply trim off anything that has been damaged so lightly trim them back and when we trim plants we feed them at the same time of year so if you give them a handful of uh, a tree and shrub fertiliser or particularly for the uh, forest flames give them some of the ericaceous uh, feed at this time of year you'll get that beautiful pink colour back again it's not like we've lost the the, the season, it'll come back perfectly fine again. And any plants that have been slightly scorched, uh, trees and shrubs and, and hedging and so on, they'll be perfectly fine. Um, it's also the time of year, and if hydrangeas have got a little bit of uh, marking, it's this is the time of year to, to prune them. Um, we did mention you can start cutting them anytime from the beginning of April, but if you haven't pruned the hydrangeas, maybe get out this weekend and give them a pruning back and anything that's summer flowering, that tends to flower from the middle of June onwards, this is the time of year you can trim them back and again give them a feed. So plants like um, the lovely yellow flowering uh, hypericum which comes into flower right through the summer and they can be pruned hydrangeas of course and roses we mentioned last week so again if listeners haven't pruned their roses please do it. Um, the mallow, the lavateria that we featured last mm-hmm. week again that a light trimming back on that and Buddleias, the butterfly bush again or some of herbaceous plants if you've got old lupins or maybe old penstemons or uh, you know herbaceous Border plants that are looking a bit t- tatty from last year, tidy those up now and feed them. And particularly with the rain coming, Deirdre, um, I know it's not going to be heavy rain, but we are going to get some nice showers over the next couple of days. So at this time of year, it's a really good time, and the temperatures are going to warm up for next week. So we are going to see growth kicking in finally. Um, so my advice really is if you have time over the weekend, feed your garden plants because the drop of rain will wash the fertilizer in and then the warmer temperatures, the plants will be able to absorb them. So if you want to give your hungry trees and shrubs and even your lawns, your garden lawns, if you've done the zero and the moss is controlled, Mm -hmm. well, now we move into the feeding of lawns. So this is a really good weekend to get the fertilizers on because you need a little bit of rainfall to wash them in for them to be active. And the temperatures coming next week will be perfect for... um, the feeding of plants in general so that's a good job to do over this weekend particularly this morning now in dry weather apply the fertilizer and that'll wash it in but it's also an excellent time of year mid-April for the sowing of seeds of plants and again when you get this mixture of April showers and and warm temperatures, seeds germinate very quickly. So, for example, I I sowed some um, white Lisbon, which is the salad onion seed, uh, probably 10 days ago myself, and Mm -hmm. it's already up half an inch above the soil. And even with the cold temperatures, it still germinated relatively quickly. So, this is a really good time of year for the sowing of seeds of plants, herbs, vegetables, flowering plants if you want.
0: And did you sow those seeds outside or inside?
1: I actually sowed them in the veggie pod. That's where I put them, but they were outside, outside getting in the, the go, pot. in the veggie pot, um, and they germinated, um, uh, you know, literally within ten days. But if they went into the garden soil, they germinate equally as well over twelve or fourteen days. But I picked out just a couple of varieties of vegetables. But again, kind of if you if somebody wants to give it a, a go this year mm-hmm. for the first time, here are a few very simple ones that you could sow. So there's a lovely turnip variety called Snowball, which is a pure white. Uh, Turnip very easy to sow you to sow the seed directly into the garden soil and the poplar. Purple top Milan is also if people like the traditional turnip with that purple outer skin and yellow flesh, that's a, a really good variety. And when planting turnip seed into the ground, my advice is to use some of the Vitex Q4 because they like boron in the soil. It's it's a it's an essential nutrient that turnips in particularly like. So when you're sowing the seed, add a little bit of the Vitex Q4. Just rake that into the soil when you're sowing and reapply it in about six weeks' time. Very good. And that'll make sure. If you want um, a really good variety of parsnip there's a variety called gladiator which we featured I think last year as well it's an F1 variety but I like it in particular because the flavour is really good but also it's resistant to diseases like um, parsnip canker which is kind of a, a marking on the outer edges of the uh, parsnip which makes them unsightly and, and kind of browning or whatever
0: it's is a it? browning
1: yeah it's like a canker on the skin of the parsnip so look for that one that's gladiator again you can sow it at this time of year does
0: that parsnip grow very big
1: It'll grow the traditional size, the normal size of, so you're looking at at nearly a foot long um, root when it's ready to harvest in in, um, late autumn, winter sort of period. We generally leave parsnips in the ground. Now you can pick them as tender young shoots if you want uh, by August, but generally speaking they're left in the ground for the frost to give them a little bit of, it, it tends to sweeten them as well. Broccoli, again, a dwarf variety called Green Magic, which again is a good one to sow at this time of year. And with the sowing of any of these seeds, don't sow the whole packet in one go. So sow them little and often. Like, for example, in that broccoli seed, there's 60 seed in the pack. So a small amount now, small amount in two or three weeks' time and so on. Continue the sowing right up until June, particularly for broccoli because you can use it right through the winter period as well. Um, A good variety of carrot is one called um, Mastro, which is a, a Um, carrot root fly resistant variety so it's one called mastro again it's a particularly nice flavoured one but it's resistant to the carrot root fly so you don't have to use any pesticides what about this one for the kids this is one called isn't that lovely (laughs) it's
0: gorgeous so that's
1: a beetroot a simple beetroot variety called rainbow Rainbow mix Mix. and it's got those lovely rainbow colours so purples and uh, oranges and whites and yellows and so on there's a really it's a really nice mix you can actually eat the leaves of uh, beetroot like you would spinach It's in the same family, but but the fruits on that are particularly nice. And again, pick them early. And a good cabbage variety, Primo, it's a round-headed cabbage. It's a kind of a solid-head one. So they're just kind of some simple seed that, particularly with the weather, thinking about the weather that we're getting at the moment, if you've got a little bit of soil, remember you can sow them in containers and troughs outside as well. Yeah. And, and you know, following on from that, if you want some flower colour, if you, again, you want some really easy seed to chuck directly into the garden soil, not putting them into trays or anything, literally just whack them out into the soil. And you don't have to worry about <laughs> it. No. so you Do tell, tell. Right. So you rake <laughs> the soil over. And these are some old cottage garden ones that I particularly like, but there's lots of them. So what you're looking for in the back of the packet is the word hardy annual. Hardy annual means that it will come into flower this year but more importantly it's hardy it'll tolerate any little bit of frost or cold wind or whatever and the first plant I particularly like is this one called Godicia and this is a a dwarf mixed uh, variety from Thompson and Morgan and again you simply just rake the soil and sow the seed and there'll be probably 100 seed in that particular it's got they're often called azalea. They're azalea flowered colored gaudicia. Mm. Uh, so they've got the colour of azaleas, that lovely uh, cerise pink, purples, whites, um, different shades of pinks, purples and whites, I suppose. Um, but again, it's a flower that will flower from June right through to the end of the summer. And it will often shed its own seed and come back up next year again. Okay, Cordesia.
0: so an annual is one that just grows for one year. Is one that year, correct?
1: Yeah, okay. uh, and so if you sow it now, it will germinate, it will flower, and it will produce its own seed by the end of the summer. And Godisha just it's just a, such a simple, easy plant to grow. Um, cornflowers, and they come in a whole range of different varieties. This is one called polka dot mix. So it's a mixture of different varieties. But cornflowers also are brilliant for bees and pollinating in insects. Again, you can sow them directly out into the garden soil and night scented stock. for scent scent. super easy plant the flowers are a little bit insignificant the other two the cornflowers and the codicia are grown for show and and flower brilliantly but the night night scented stock the flowers are small uh, dainty but the scent is absolutely fabulous in it so maybe it's one to mix with others and then finally daisy mix calendulas so these Ah. are the old English marigolds the leaves and the flowers are edible um, but it's a a simple, easy plant to grow. So I suppose my advice really is use the weather that we're going to have over the weekend to start feeding your garden plants, in particular trees, shrubs, feed your lawn as well to get that um, and, and lawn feeds are designed to, to green without forcing so don't be afraid to put them on they'll green up the lawn but they won't necessarily make the grass grow vigorously they won't make the grass grow vigorously they, you'll get that lovely greening colour so the blend of fertilisers are slow released um, so they're the type of jobs to be doing hanging baskets window boxes they should be you are should,
0: we getting, going into we that territory really. now we are this is the we time, time yeah.
1: of year to start planting them up so you'll see in your own local garden centre the, um, the training petunia and all the basket plants the fuchsias and all of that are available at the moment this is a little plant called and mm-hmm. um, the catmint. mint um, I particularly like it it's got lovely variegated foliage it has blue flowers but it trails about 18 inches out of the basket it's nearly up to 2 feet out of the basket so it'll actually from that tiny little plant it will actually, it's already about, whatever, four yeah, inches. you can,
0: you can see it's a, it's a really, it's it's a robust plant.
1: It's a really uh, simple one to even, grow.
0: Yeah, even though it's not that big as yet. But, and there's lovely, the variegated leaves on it are really lovely. They are nice. Yeah. So
1: even just grown for its foliage, yeah. it looks really well. But it's a super plant for um, flower, the nice blue flower. But the way it trails is absolutely fabulous. The other couple of plants I brought you in. Again, yeah. keeping on the flower theme, here's a lovely plant for a pa- patio. This is one called the Cape Mallow.
0: The Cape Mallow. Now,
1: I I mentioned the Lavateria mallow last Mm -hmm. week. And this is in the same family. Um, This is actually a plant from, uh, it's a South African plant. So we have to kind of mimic those South African conditions for it during the summer. So uh, patio, somewhere bright, outdoors, of course, but somewhere bright and sunny. But it's coming into flower already. And this plant will literally produce hundreds and hundreds of flowers. There's there's probably a hundred flower buds on it at the moment.
0: It's already a stunner.
1: But once it comes into growth, uh, as we as we get in now to May and June, July and August, it will produce new growth and on that new growth, it produces new flowers. So it's one called the Cape and Mallow, um, really easy to grow, lovely in a pot or container, just something to give you a kind of a ball of colour. And the flowers are exactly the same as the normal Lavateria yeah. the Mallow, they're a little bit smaller, um, but they're more numerous, so you get and lots lots of flowers. This is just a flower.
0: gorgeous, vibrant pink, I love it.
1: And it's evergreen. Yeah, yeah it's got, got that really kind of cerise pink colour. It's and finally, the last plant. Oh no, I have two, two on yeah. another <laughs> one to mention. So I brought you in, um, again, a really nice climbing plant in this, this instance. And again, a good time of year for planting climbing plants in general. Um, but this is an evergreen climber called Passiflora or the passion plant the passion the passion passion plant so it's a has really dainty flowers quite large flowers grows really well here in the west of ireland and and particularly loves kind of seaside areas if you have a sheltered wall in a south facing wall in a seaside area passiflora grows really well the flower buds are actually on it already there's one or two there already beginning to form and it comes lovely pink form as well but this in mid-april is a good time to plant climbers in general and on that climbing note, yeah. I also brought you in a fig tree
0: As I so so i'm I, I'm kind of intrigued. it was only last year that I really kind of uh, thought or discovered that fig trees grow quite well, I understand in Ireland.
1: they love Ireland um so even though it's a, a Mediterranean plant, they actually do really well because our climate we have a very, very mild temperate climate so fig trees do extremely well and you'll often see them in in particularly older gardens so the likes of phoenix park and botanic gardens or um kyle moore abbey have from my memory had a lovely uh, fig tree and and generally they're grown up against a wall even though they're not um i suppose t- they're not um, a climbing plant per se the best way to grow them is against a wall so a nice south facing wall they It takes them a couple of years to establish themselves. But in time, they'll cover quite a large wall, you know, easily eight, nine feet in height and a similar diameter, maybe up to even 12 feet in diameter. But you can grow them really tidy against a wall. But they're very novel. They they produce their fruit really reliably here in, in Ireland. But it takes nearly, it takes a full uh, 12 months. So the little flower or fig embryo, the fruiting embryo, forms during the latter part of the summer, it's there on the plant in July and August and then it ripens the following summer. So you tend to find on an older fig tree ripe fruit Mm -hmm. during the summer and then young embryo fruit that will ripen the following year. So you have the young baby fruit and the mature fruit at the same time on a mature fig tree. Um, They're self-fertile, particularly this one. This is one called brown turkey. It's a a self-fertile variety so you don't, you just need the one tree and the bees do the business.
0: Okay, and tell me, um, so this one that we have here is about, well, coming up on two foot. Is it? Well, foot now. Half. Yeah. Um and it, you were saying to me that this one is three years old already. It's
1: three years old. So they are relatively slow growing. Mm. Um, you know, until they really get into the ground and they and they, and it, it, it takes them kind of a year or two to settle in and then they, they start to take off. But they're not overly vigorous, so they're not going to become a problem or a mess on the wall. It's, they're easy to train and easy to trim. Um, but once they start fruiting then, they generally fruit reliably every year after that. So it's just a novel. If somebody yeah, a ni- again, a nice, t- lov- lovely facing wall.
0: And I think they can be quite stunning... As they mature. This one, how soon would they start producing fruit?
1: It'll take it another three years. Yeah, three years. But even even if you never use the fruit, they're a lovely plant against a wall. They look really, really well and and something a little bit different. And you could always grow other climbers up through them if you wanted clematis or or honeysuckle. Or your passiflora? Or your passiflora if you wanted, yeah. You could put the passion plant and the fig plant together. There you go. Why not? Why not? Um, So, yeah, so look at really good planting weather at the moment. Um, you know the bit of frost and and the wind has dried the soil out to a certain degree but there's still plenty of moisture there so people should be planting but in particular my advisory this weekend is prune those summer flowering shrubs in particular feed them once you prune them any frost damaged plants give them a feed as well and trim back those pieris or anything that's been damaged in your garden Um, don't be tempted yet to put out any bedding plants like marigolds it's still too cold yeah so keep them in same with tomatoes keep them in so anything that's frost sensitive make sure you keep it in the seeds that I mentioned like the godicia and the calendulas and um, night scented stock no problem whatsoever sowing those directly out of doors and all the vegetable seeds I mentioned or if you're getting vegetable plants in your local garden centre the likes of lettuce and cauliflower and, and peas they're perfectly hardy they're fine to go directly out of doors and pretty much all the garden herbs you can plant directly out into the garden soil now without any fear of of damage except for for basil so you know Anything that's hardy, get it out into the garden, feed the plants and um,
0: good planting weather. Fantastic. Uh, right, we're going to get straight into it, Pork. Okay, and there shoot. was a couple of questions were super early this morning, so we'll go with the earliest, I think. Um, and it's to do with a strip of hedge between uh, a strip a person has between a beach hedge and a walkway to the okay. yard. Yeah. So they are wondering, would you be able to suggest, please, some ground cover plants? It's always a mess with weeds. Okay. Yeah, and
1: it's a great idea. And remember, beach doesn't come into leaf until kind of May, so it can be a little bit bare at this time of year. So it's actually an excellent way of controlling weeds and so first of all I would plant in what we call the a drift pattern so that means planting the plants relatively close together um plants of the same variety so you get create this carpet effect and that effectively smothers the weeds Okay, so plants like, even the the plant I featured um, two weeks ago, the uh, Parahibi avalanche, Mm -hmm. that's a evergreen shrub. It grows in height about 18 inches. It spreads out to about two feet. So if you plant those plants, say maybe three or four of them together, two feet apart, they'll actually merge together and they'll give you a carpet effect that will give you 12 months of foliage color and they're, they'll come into flower now in a, in a couple of weeks time and flower right through to the end of the summer. So that's a good example of what we would term a, you know, it's it's a little bit taller, I suppose, than typical ground covering plants but you need a little bit of height to be able to suppress the weeds. So varieties like um, that particular one is is really good. I'd also plant plants like hostas would be lovely again in a drift pattern because hostas again will you grow 18 inches in height yeah. and again spread out and you want something that's going to be vigorous, no nonsense, easy to grow but do plant them in that in that drift pattern. So you know, uh, clusters together. And look, pop into your local garden centre, there's plenty of good ground covering plants. as a stilbis and hostas and ground covering geraniums, that one I mentioned, Roseanne, the lovely blue. Again, it'll grow 18 in inches in height. Another great ground covering plant is Nepeta, the catmint. The one we were talking about? No, not that one. No, it's in, in the same, it's, okay, it's sorry. her first cousin. <laughs> so, it's, it's another Nepeta, <laughs> uh, we call it catmint. It's got lovely silver. It looks like lavender. when when you grow it, but it's actually easier to grow than lavender. So it's got silver foliage, blue flowers from uh, mid-May right through to the end of the summer, and it forms this carpet of, of, of silver foliage. Again, it'll grow about 18 inches in height, but again, you need to plant two or three plants together. So that's what we mean by drift planting, is the planting of the same variety of plant, Maybe three or five, two spaced eighteen inches to two feet apart, with the intent that they merge together and suppress the weeds. And it's one of the best ways, particularly weeds like um, mare's tail, you know, because which we get questions all on all the time. time. And really, you know, certain sprays will knock them back, but really, the best way to control mare's tail is to actually plant plants that suppress it so because really it give dislikes it, competition. Give
0: it the competition. So yeah.
1: you're you're planting between the beach hedge and the walkway in a fashion to be able to suppress the light. To, to stop the weeds now you know it gets a small bit of weeds popping up here and there but if you've got it well planted in the drift pattern you're going to suppress a whole lot and then in the autumn you could introduce some dwarf spring bulbs or so, uh, narcissite jet fire or, or uh, even some snowdrops or whatever and those plants those bulbs will push their way up through the the um, the, 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 the drift plants the d- d- as okay. well yeah Okay. and a great time of year to do it now
0: Brilliant. Okay. Um, now, also, question here, a hedge. Yeah. Okay, so this Leland. is a Lelandiae, yeah. Leland hedge. Um, can you please ask Pork for his opinion on this hedge? Vertical patches of scorching have appeared earlier this year. The hedge is over 20 years old. What's the cause? And more importantly, what's the cure? Okay. Asks Ger.
1: So, Gerard, this is, and this is very typical of Lelandiae. So, this is actually aphid damage. This is greenfly. Or, or oh, right. Go, yeah green fly damage of um, Lelandia. So these brown patches and this damage probably was caused last summer because Lelandia is very, very slow to show damage. If it gets scorched by wind or, or um, in this case, it's it's aphids feeding on the young growth, um, it turns them yellow, brown, but it could take six months or, or eight months for that browning to appear. Um, now, what I would do, Ger, is just check at this time of year to make sure. Um, the, the aphids are nearly insignificant. You have to examine the young growth to, to check for them. But if they're present, which they do, which they're very common on Lelandia, you need to treat them with a... Uh, proprietary insecticides something like bug clear would get rid of it and um, now it's not overly damaged so i think it'll grow out of that a little bit of feeding it'll actually get it to grow out of it again it's more a temporary
0: setback Okay, great. Now, I've planted begonia bulbs on the 18th of March and Excellent. there's no trace of them coming. Okay. I keep them in my conservatory and water them occasionally. Uh, please help, says Brida.
1: Well, Brida, I would just check, literally lift one of the begonias. I mean, they should, they should be sprouting. That's, that's a month, four weeks. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's still early. It's still early yet. Um, what you could do is literally just take one out of the pot literally up, lifted up, uh, you should see some young buds starting. It should be initiating some roots at this stage. Um, so, and the conservatory is the perfect place to, to, to put them. Um, keep them moist, but not overly wet. So the compost, when you squeeze the compost, a couple of drops of water should come out, but it shouldn't be soggy or, or too heavy because you would rot the bulbs. But apart from that, they're in the perfect location. It's still only, what's the 17th? Yes, it's only a month. It's only four weeks. So I think they're they're beginning to bud under the under the compost. Right, we just can't see them. Just take one and and you know a little bit of disturbance is not going to set the bulb back. You just put put it gently back in again. So maybe tip out one of the pots, have a look. There should be some buds being initiated. If there isn't, send us a picture maybe for next week and we'll we'll have a, well, a closer I'll... look at it. But four weeks on, yeah, you know buds will be starting. But okay, they're... and look, you won't be putting those begonias out until mid-May anyway. Right. So you have loads of time yet for them to start to... There's another up. good month really. Of, exactly. Of, of keeping them in the of, yeah. keep them in the conservatory. Absolutely.
0: Super. Now, I would like a white thorn hedge in my wild garden area. They're in bloom at the moment and mm. look stunning. I was just remarking that myself yesterday. They're not white thorn. They're not white thorn, are they not? <laughs>
1: Go on, keep going. No, okay. <laughs> keep so, we'll well, there. there's something white we'll in there, hedges. Yeah,
0: there is. <laughs> Can I take cuttings and grow them on myself?
1: Yeah. So what we're seeing in in flower at the moment is Blackthorn
0: FaceTime
1: <laughs> uh, how many years are we doing this programme? I know yeah don't keep going keep going so anyway what's in flower at the moment is is blackthorn. Uh, blackthorn Blackthorn Prunus spinosa um, so black thorn and so blackthorn and whitethorn are they're in the same family in the rosacea family but but they're two different plants. So anyway, um so whitethorn comes into flower in late April May, so we'll be looking at the May blossom, we'll be looking forward to that. Um, now to take them from cuttings no, they won't they won't propagate from cuttings. We saw them from the seed, from the haws that are produced in the in the autumn, the little red berries. You can Literally collect those in the autumn, sow them in the ground, kind of stratify them, just break them up, put them into the ground. Or look at you'll buy white thorn uh, hedge plants very cheaply next October, November. You know, you you know, they're they're, they're you'll buy a, a hundred of them for you know, small money. So my advice is, is let somebody else do the growing. Get yourself some plants uh, because it's going to take them two or three years before they're any size from seed and um, makes a beautiful hedge. I mean, White Thorn, even in a garden setting, now it is a bit thorny, but it, it's actually one of the nicest hedges of all, I think. Even though it is deciduous, it makes a beautiful hedge. If it's trimmed formally and neatly, it, it's a lovely hedge. Okay. Lovely, lovely hedge, and and a very cheap hedge okay. as well, and a hedge that will grow in very exposed areas. Now it does drop the leaf in winter, but it is, I think, one of the nicest. hedges. And a
0: very native hedge to Ireland. Ar- oh, yeah. it's okay. a native okay.
1: Irish, yeah. yeah. Crata- Crata- um white thorn is native to Ireland. So, and there's lots of um, stories around, you know, the fairy forts, and, yes. and it's okay. unlucky to so. move up, uh, to dig up a white thorn hedge and all that. There kind of there's a mm-hmm. respect. Around them that I don't understand, but you'd often see them planted around fairy forts and, you know, they'll go back to the, you know, there's a, there's, so there's
0: a there, there was, mystique.
1: Right, about and them a anti- strong Celtic. cultural association. Oh, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Lovely. Okay, we're going to move on to um, a poor looking Hebe. We're yeah, told. He's a bit uh, sad. We've a photograph here and uh, things don't look great. Uh, wondering if you can fix this Hebe, Porrick, it's really bare.
1: It is bare, and look at, I would prune it back to some, it's beginning to, to produce some new um, so, which is, which is good to see. There seems to be growth at the base, which whether it's ivy or it looks like what is it that is, is it lichen this? or ivy? There yeah. seems to be some growth um, at right at soil level, some weed growth or lichen growth. So that should be cleaned off and tidied up. The plant is starting to regrow again, um, so prune it back to. By half, by certainly by half, but to where you see buds. See, there's lots of buds there now in the centre of the plant. Yep. So if it's pruned back to there, give it a feed, it'll kick it back into growth again, and but certainly remove that bit of competition that's um, right at the base of it.
0: Okay, great. And we'll go to another photograph. Uh, this is a Chinese lantern, I think, and it's I think, and it's going to go to flower. And what should I do to boost it along? Rena is in Law.
1: Well, very little to boost it now. This is the Chilean. This is the Chilean, um, the, the Chilean plant, Chilean lantern. Chilean lantern. Yeah, Chinese lantern and Chilean lantern—they're two slightly different. They are—they're not too slightly. They're two completely different plants. And um, so this is the Chilean lantern. It comes to us from Chilean, Crinodendron Hucarianum. And, and a great plantsman called um, Hooker uh, um, found this plant in Chile. It produces beautiful red flowers. They're the flower embryos, so they're going to open now in May. Um, to be honest, it's very healthy. It's in great condition. You could give it a little bit. Of, it's, it likes us like ericaceous soil, um, so you could give get yourself a little bit of um, azalea fertilizer or rhododendron fertilizer in your local garden centre and put a little application of that around the base of it. But apart from that, there's loads of flowers on it. There must be fifty or sixty flowers yet to come out, and um, it'll be a picture in May. May, okay. So Crinodendron hookerianum. The, the the Chilean lantern. Chinese lantern is a herbaceous border plant. Actually, our Teresa has loads of
0: Chinese lanterns. Chinese
1: lanterns in our garden.
0: Okay, brilliant. Uh, so that's a herbaceous one. And the Chilean one is the taller one. Then that grows into um, a, a slightly more significant uh, plant. Now, we've a great bit of colour here. Uh, can you tell us what this flower is? It's growing in the Fermanagh countryside. And would it grow by a slip, asks Bernie. Kind of hard to see <laughs> exactly what it is. See, yeah, yeah. If, you,
1: if Bernie could give us maybe a close-up of it, um,
0: it's fairly stunning. All right, yeah, yeah it's a good. Maybe bit of get, get
1: a closer picture. It's okay. very hard to see okay. it from from that distance. No problem. And we love it.
0: We'll have a look now. We've got another poorly another hebe, another hebe that's yeah. in bother. I think by the yeah. looks of things. Yeah,
1: and the thing with with hebes, um, it look, they're great for the foliage color, but they're a plant that does need to be a light trimming back every year because they tend to get bare and leggy at the base as this one has. And again, there's some um, grass or, or weeds at the base width. So look, at give it a, give it a trim back. Don't be too severe with this one. I would take eight, maybe 10 inches off the plant. Um, and you're looking for the plant to produce lots of new growth uh, in the center. Again, give it a feed and take any competition. Any grass or weeds at the base width is only competing with the plant. Um, so... If people are planting hebes or or evergreen plants, remember once a year, give them a light trimming back in at this time of year and that keeps them young, bushy, low and, and, um, you know, you stop that legginess coming in the plant.
0: Okay, great. Now we've got two pots of asters and a listener is wondering, can they transfer them outdoors now?
1: Yeah, yeah, asters are, are hardy. Well, you've, you've annual asters and perennial asters, but I'm assuming these are the perennial asters, which are Michaelmas daisies, which generally flower in in kind of uh, August, September, October, that late summer period. So yes, they're frost hardy. You can plant them out of doors. Again, maybe give them a light trimming back, just tidy them up, plant them out, plant them together as well, spacing them about 8 inches a part so you get that ni- nice clustered effect and asters can be left out of doors 12 months of the year so they're perfectly hardy they die back at the end of the year and like hostas you can dig them up every couple of years divide them into several pieces and replant them
0: okay great <coughs> now i dug up my, gar- my lupin and dahlia tubers in november so when is it safe to set them again asks catherine
1: Okay, well, first of all, there's no need to dig up your lupins. Lupins are perfectly hardy out of doors. You can leave them. They're a herbaceous border plant, so they're like the asters or hostas, perfectly fine to leave in the garden. So, no need to, to be lifting them. So they can be planted out straight away. Dahlias shouldn't be planted out until the fr- risk of frost is passed. So dahlias, at the moment, the tubers are beginning to initiate new buds. You'll mm-hmm. see lots of new buds starting. You can split your dahlias now. Put them into pots or containers or old trays of compost. Keep them inside in a uh, Conservatory greenhouse tunnel summer protect it and don't put them out until the first week of May watch the slugs with them as well
0: okay and
1: use, use the organic they're... there's an organic pellet that you can get now and in general my advice is to keep an eye on the slugs at the moment they're quite active in the in the damp weather particularly on things like hostas, young vegetables young seedlings you're putting down but use the organic treatments again you'll get them in your local garden centre and they're very effective.
0: Okay, I'm just going to focus in on um, a mm. couple of questions about zero poric uh, oh, yeah. that Sorry. have come go in. On. No doubt yeah. at all. Um, so one person is wondering if zero already is already diluted for use. Um, they diluted it, but nothing happened to the moss. And somebody else is wondering about the zero. Uh, is does it make the does it make things go black?
1: Okay, what's your experience? My experience
0: <laughs> on this is that it does make it go black. Yes, it's the moss that goes black. And uh, you it's not already diluted. You do have to... You do. Uh, yeah, it's 10 parts to one part if memory Very serves. Very good. Very good. So uh, for normal
1: moss growth, if people have kind of normal... Uh, moss than a one to ten. So one part zero, ten parts water. As you say, it works overnight. So if you put it on today, the moss is dead tomorrow. It's phenomenal. I did it last
0: weekend. I just, um, like, it's amazing how quickly it works.
1: It works very, very rapidly. So the moss will discolour. That's a sign that it's dying. It won't discolour the grass. The grass will stay green and if anything, the grass will get greener because of the tonic that's in zero will actually green it up. Now, if you're if uh, you have heavy moss in the lawn, once it's dead, literally the day after treating it with zero, My advice is to give it a light raking. You don't have to get every bit of moss out. You're really just scuffling out the dead and it'll come out very, very easy. If you've any bare patches bigger than say a dinner plate, reseed them and you simply get some lawn seed, some multi-purpose compost, mix the two together, chuck it on the area and brush it in and walk away. And the second thing then, once you have the zero on, put on a lawn feed because you want to encourage the grass. Now the trick is to get the lawn into good condition over the summer, right? And as we say in the autumn, like the the treatment of lawn moss starts in the autumn. So get rid of the moss now, feed the lawn, get it back into good condition, but treat your lawn in October, December, and February with zero and you won't have moss. It's as simple as that. And there's no raking and um, I've been, I'm blue in the face telling people that, but if you treat your lawn over the winter period- um, It's under control. You keep it under control because you're nipping the moss in the bud. Moss starts to grow in October when the weather is cool. And then it accelerates through the winter because the grass isn't growing. You're not out there cutting the lawn. And of course, it's full blown by the time we hit March and April oh, yeah. and well, people panic. Yeah. But, do you know, put it into the diary, treat it. And all you do is put an application of zero on in October, again at Christmas, again around February. No need to rake, no messing. It's done in a couple of minutes and, and it's not a, problem. not a problem. And the lawn is lovely and green and healthy because the, the, the tonic that's in zero is keeping the lawn lovely and green right. and healthy.
0: Okay, great. Uh, This is a rhubarb, I do believe, in a pot. It looks like a rhubarb. So, uh, rhubarb sown in a pot since autumn, kept in the shed still. Do I plant it out now and is farm yard manure good to use? Can I cut and use rhubarb this year or how do I treat it? Love the programme.
1: So, (laughs) So, yeah, uh, it's... um, this is it's a spindly it's a spindly uh, uh, rhubarb, rhubarb at the moment. And yeah. that's just because it's been kept in the shed, right? Mm. Uh, look, rhubarb is, is totally frost hardy. That plant, really the place to plant it was out in the garden soil in the autumn. Um, keeping it inside in the shed, it's got a little bit spindly and a bit light. Um, so my advice really is to plant it out of doors. You couldn't get anything better than well-rotted farmer manure for rhubarb. Um, so put a good, a good half a barrow of that into the soil plant your Ruber plant and leave it alone. Don't be tempted to take anything off it this year. There's not enough on it to, to um, take any sticks. It's going to take it about two years to develop enough strength and energy before you start harvesting it. But remember, you're playing for the long game because Ruber, once you have it, you have it forever. And every winter, put a good dollop of, of rotted farmer manure on top of the Ruber plant and let it decay back into it over the winter right. period, yeah.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. So from rhubarb, we turn to apples Oh, yeah, and lovely. an apple mm. tree. This is my son's apple tree, photograph attached. And he wants to know, does he transplant it to a bigger pot or leave it to grow as is, asks Trish. Well, it's so, in,
1: it's actually, it's brilliant. It's, it's doing really well. It's very, very healthy. It's about, I'd say, 12 inches high or 15 inches high at the moment. And it must be in a pot that's nearly as tall as the plant. So the, pl- the pot is... More than adequate, so that pot is is suitable for the apple tree for this full year. Now there are a couple of weeds at the base of the pot, so take them off, um, and apart from that, just continue to grow it outside. Um, it looks quite moist, so don't don't have it too wet either, uh, because you know the volume of the the pot is more than adequate for the tree. So if the compass is very heavy, it tends to stay wet for a long time, but it looks really healthy. Take off the few weeds, and uh, in dry weather, water it and. It's going to do really well. And maybe plant it out into the garden then this autumn, September, October. um, It'll be probably four feet at that stage and you can plant it out somewhere in the garden. Now, do remember they grow large when you sow um, apples from seed. So it's a big tree. So pick a a location for it.
0: Okay, great. Uh, Now, we have, I think, a couple of pictures here. Uh, we'll go back to the question. Yep. Yeah. so I have this weeping tree in my back garden for the last 15 years or so, but I've never done anything with it. It seems to have a lot of brown on it now. So pictures attached. Uh, do I need to do some maintenance on it or feed it? I'm concerned it is dying.
1: Well, some portions. So it's, first of all, it's a weeping cedar and it has, uh, oh, it must, be, it must be 12 or 15 feet in height and similar in diameter. And there are some brown sections to it and they need to be pruned off. So if you can this weekend, just go out the secateurs and prune back. There's still a lot of healthy growth on the plant and it's in a little bit of competition there with some other shrubs, uh, both left and right of the plant. So really, look, my advice is anything that's brittle, that's dead to the touch, prune those out completely, right back to the main stem. Obviously, anything that's green and healthy, leave alone, give it a good feed, put on something like the Osmo Pro 6 fertilizer now, repeat in about six weeks' time and it'll be Perfectly fine.
0: Okay, weeping cedars, are they are they common enough?
1: Ah uh, yeah, you'd see them you'd see them. A cedar makes a beautiful tree. They come in upright varieties in blue, um Atlantica blue or or Diodara is kind of more a, a yellow. I have one of those in my own garden. It's a lovely tree. Um and then you get them in weeping forms as well. So yeah, lovely. It's okay. a conifer.
0: A conifer. Yeah. I, ha- I have a. Ro- I think is it a Rosa rugosa? Rosa rugosa. Rosa hedge? rugosa. That's yeah. yeah. That is spreading to areas I don't want. It, that I don't want it to be in. What's the best way to kill it off?
1: Well, and the, and it will. You see, Rosa rugosa produces underground suckers, um, and you know you need to give it space. It's the type of hedge that's not really suitable for a small garden. <clears throat> you don't want to be spraying it because that's going to damage the entire hedge. So really, what you'll find is if you get a good sharp spade and any of the branches, any of the un- underground suckers that are coming out into the garden at this time of year if you go along with the spade and literally just cut them back and um, now you'll have to do that annually to to maintain the plant but if you go spraying it on anything you're going to damage the entire hedge, hedge. Okay. yeah it's a great hedge great hedge for a seaside area um flowers brilliantly and it's thorny and it's kind of coarse but um in a windy when you know open area it's probably one of the best hedges and great for wildlife as well
0: Okay, fantastic. Somebody is wondering: Is hen manure good for cabbage?
1: It's great for the old cabbage. Yeah, it is. So, hen manure is full of nitrogen, and that's exactly what cabbage needs. Uh, so, as long as it's well rotted, uh, you could put that around the base of cabbage. It'll be fine, or potatoes, or anything in the um, in the kind of brassica family uh, will. Hen manure is perfectly fine.
0: Okay, fantastic. Uh, just
1: to, s- s- chicken manure. You'd often chick- buy it as chicken pellets, you know, in, in the gar- in the local garden okay. center as well. You'll you'll get it. So it's generally good for any kind of leafy crops in particular.
0: Okay. If the roots of bottle brush plant are showing through drainage holes of a large tub, should they be planted out? Yeah, well,
1: what I would do is actually take the opportunity of, you've got yourself some free plants there. So when the little sprouts come out, um, you can you can certainly just prune them off, pot them up and you've got yourself some new plants. So it's probably a sign to the bottle brush needs to be moved on into a bigger pot. And uh, bottle brush calisthenum, like the old bottle brush that produces these lovely red flowers. It needs a sunny location and it needs a kind of a gritty soil. So add a bit of uh, ordinary garden soil and maybe some pebbles through some multi-purpose compost when you're repotting it.
0: Okay, great. And over on the photographs, Porik, uh, we have, uh, now it's a bit of a close-up. It might be too close up, but we're told that it's a vacuum regatta so it's a blueberry, blueberry, yeah, yeah. Um, So replanted this blueberry to this location a few weeks ago as it appeared to be dying in previous uh, location I guess it was in an exposed spot what can I do to help its possible revival it uh, had good fruit last year
1: OK um, well look uh, it's it's there's no, no sign of any growth on the plant it's pretty it, 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 it is and it looks to me like it may have it may have passed on it should have it should have new growth uh, on the plant so look all I would do is don't go feeding it or anything just wait to see give it another six weeks and see will any new buds come from the base but it, it looks quite dead to me to be honest Uh, Blueberries, they're generally easy to grow. They will grow in pots and containers, Mm -hmm. remember that, but they do require an ericaceous or lime-free soil. So that's, it's very important to... um it's very important to, to give
0: them that, yeah, that, that yeah, a starting that, out. Yeah, when you're starting them yeah. that, and
1: hence it's a great way to grow them in pots and containers.
0: Okay, super.
1: But they're related to the wild bilberry and, and you know how that grows so easy if the soil conditions are right. right. So look at mm. it, don't don't let that put you off growing blueberries. I mean, plant another one. You know, yeah. if the plant doesn't come into growth, don't don't give up with it. Certainly replant, you Brilliant. Know, start again.
0: It was probably just in, a, in, the, in the wrong location. Yeah. Um, now we have a photograph in wondering, can you help identify this plant? I was given it as a gift and I'm not sure if I planted it in the ground or repotted in a bigger pot.
1: Planted it into the ground? Oh, well, you could put it into a bigger pot as well. So this is our friend Parahibi Avalanche, actually. So somebody probably obviously has grown it maybe from a cutting. Now, you see what, it, what I'm saying here in terms of trimming plants back. See how that has four stems, but they're quite leggy. They're yes. quite searching for the light. Um, there's only four stems on them. So the first thing I would do with that plant is to take at least three to four inches off the top of it so get yourself a little secateurs or shears just literally trim them back that's going to double the amount of branches and double the amount of flowers it's going to produce this year you have the choice of planting it into the garden remember what i said it'll grow about 18 inches high about two feet in diameter it's perfectly fine in a pot or container or you can plant them out into the garden soil para is evergreen retains the leaf and flowers from it'll be coming into flower now in about another two weeks and it'll go on till september october Really simple plant to grow. And those pieces that you trimmed off to Trim it back, yeah. You can propagate those,
0: okay. So, this this, this is the gift that keeps on giving with a a tiny little bit of work, yeah. Yeah. Um, so somebody wondering about maple trees, um, when to put out a maple tree, they've been in the glass house all winter and they're now full of leaves,
1: yeah. Well, so look, maples are are outdoor trees anyway. Um, so these are the Japanese maples. Having said that, the fact that you've kept them cocooned in the greenhouse is going to make them vulnerable to any cold weather. So, I would to kind of start to harden them off by putting them out during the day taking them in at night time for maybe you know another week or so so until the leaves kind of toughen up a little bit i wouldn't be tempted to put them directly out into the garden because cold wind or frost will certainly damage the flowers uh, so a little bit of hardening off once you've them planted out they should be left out 12 months of the year they are an outdoor garden plant request. so they don't require being lifted and brought back into the the tunnel uh, or in the greenhouse you're only making them soft
0: Okay, super. Um, Somebody's wondering, would you have any suggestions not growing very high, but good for privacy, a tree?
1: Not growing very well. If you want, I suppose if you want something that's going to be, it depends what... what, if you want something evergreen, you've got Cotoneaster canubia, which is an evergreen Cotoneaster. It, it forms a tree with evergreen leaves. The leaves are quite large, so they give very good privacy and shelter. It flowers, it buries, um, and it's not a big tree. It'll, Cotoneaster canubia in a typical garden will grow about 15 feet. So it really depends what height. Now, 15 feet might sound big, but it's actually not large in terms of of a tree. Um, so that would be quite a, a, a good example of a medium-sized tree that for privacy.
0: Okay. Somebody has a pineapple express autoflower or sunflower. I'm not sure. Has a calcium deficiency. Do you? Would there be a solution for that?
1: Well, calcium deficiency shows up as yellowing in the leaves, and you can get a little bit of Epsom salts. So when you're having your Epsom salts bath. Um, that will will give magnesium and also it'll give some uh, calcium as well to the leaf. Or anything with lime in it, anything with lime will, uh, will will work as well. So you can get a, a little bit of garden lime and put around the base of it.
0: Okay, somebody's wondering, can I plant in my veggie pod lettuce, scallions, etc. Bought plants? Well, you can,
1: of course, and do do a bit of both. Like generally when you're planting up your veggie uh, pod, I would advise putting in plants. Now, you can grow herbs. In it. So get some herb plants, grow some lettuce and anything that's kind of quick maturing that you're cutting on a regular basis that's not too bulky. So avoid things like cabbage and cauliflower and those sort of more uh, greedier and larger plants. So things like um, Swiss chard and radishes and beetroots, ca- short carrots work really well. All, anything in the lettuce salad family, um, white lisbon onion. You can do a little bit of seed sowing and you can s- sow some plants as well. Strawberries work really well in them as well. Um, you know, any of those sort of plants. And and you can use the veggie pod 12 months of the year.
0: Okay, great. One or two more before we have to wrap up, I'm afraid, Borek. Um Somebody wondering, should I plant a camellia and a rhododendron in uh, what, what size pots and what kind of pots? So, first of all, size. And they're wondering, plastic or ceramic? Does it matter?
1: Well, the one thing about the ceramic or terracotta pots is they give the plant a bit of weight. You know they kind of anchor the plant better in and particularly in open areas. Um, but you know apart from that, they're quite they're not fussy. Whether it's plastic or ceramic, they'll grow perfectly fine in either. It depends really on the plant uh, itself. So some rhododendrons are very very dwarf like shamrock or scarlet wonder or Baden Baden. they don't require a large space because they're very uh they're non-vigorous they're 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 quite small and and so it depends on the variety that the listener is growing you do have the option of repotting every couple of years as well same with camellias depends the size of plant you're buying and um you know if it's a big plant obviously a big pot so your your local garden center will advise you Uh, but you've got the option of repotting every couple of years anyway.
0: Okay, great. And we're going to end this morning on wisteria. Somebody wondering, is it possible to buy wisteria in bloom, ensuring that it is fully mature?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, so wisterias are notorious for not flowering for several years, seven, eight, nine years after planting. They tend to do a lot of growing. Um, so first of all, get yourself a grafted plant. So when you're asking in your local garden centre, ask for a grafted variety of wisteria. And if you want one in flower, they will be able to source... A mature plant for you, so it is possible to buy a wisteria in full, full flower hour. if you wish.
0: Okay, might uh. cost
1: you a few bob, but
0: <laughs> okay. So yeah, so well, that, that's, well, always, that's paying... always the trade-off, yeah, isn't but, it?
1: but 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 the answer is yes, you can, of course.
0: Okay, we're going to leave it on that note. I'm afraid. All right. Sure. Thank until you. Next week. Yeah, until next week. Thanks for all of the questions. I know we didn't get to lots of them, but we are here again next week, so hopefully uh, the opportunity will arise again. Do stand by, Michael Leary coming your way after the news at ten with the very best in country right through until one this afternoon i'll be back again all going well next saturday just after seven until then have yourselves a great weekend good morning to you